that was a miss. Mm-hmm. Because his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abihah, and they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Well, Shazam! Uh, here we are. We have the age-old problem to societal evolution, if you will, and that is that we have individuals born of good stock, but they walk not in the ways of the good stock they were hewn from. Makes sense, doesn't it, Russell? Yeah, it presents a dilemma. Okay. They turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. So this is what prompted them to ask for a king. And this is what prompted the Israelites in America and perhaps even some non-Israelites in America to well, ask... Listen to out of the Septuagint. Uh, oh, I'll get it. Uh, it it says, Behold, thou art grown old, and thy sons do not walk in thy way. So they weren't uh, they weren't Christian. They weren't godly people. Yeah. See, that's the whole point I just was making there, is that, you see, these people were ostensibly from good stock, were they not? Yes. They were... Samuel's sons. Mm-hmm. They were taught the right way, we've got to assume. Well, we ha- that's an assumption. He may have been derelict of duty. We don't really get those details, do we? No, but in fact, you raise a good point there because I do think that in one of these accounts, I'm trying to remember, um, it said that that he was not actually he was a little bit remiss in his in his duties now i'm not sure if this is the one if it was samuel or whether it was somebody else but um but yeah we don't necessarily i guess know that unless we're a bible scholar and we know more yeah. than you you and i do and there's another important point coming up right where you uh, stopped. And you're you're reading from Septuagint. Yeah, because uh, Samuel wasn't happy with this, and he prayed to God. And what did God tell Samuel? Oh, you mean? Yeah, I mean, you were going to say something. I hope I didn't destroy your train of thought, but this just leaps off of me because uh, God told Samuel, listen to the voice of this people as they have spoken to you. So God actually tells Samuel, 
do what they want. They're not mad at you, but they are rejecting me. Yep. That I should not reign over them. So, I mean, he's voluntarily giving up his reign. Hey, uh, Jeremiah, see if you can grab for our Fenton. Uh, I'm okay. curious now as to what, uh, I don't have it uh, here in the office, so um, it's possible it's not in the library, though, and Mom may have it downstairs or something. I but, found um, it. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just curious. I'm just thinking about it. I wonder what it actually says. You can read it. Um and uh, uh, read me that you read. Did you read that from the uh, Septuagint, uh, Russell? Yes. I'm still the um, thing about uh, is well, the washing the king. Yeah, go ahead and read from chapter uh, eight, verse Let me two. Find verse it. Three. Yeah. Um, First chapter Samuel. two. No, two chapter one, chapter eight, verse three, four, five, somewhere oh, in there. Read, yeah, read those. I thought you said two just now for some reason. Okay, um, let me find it. This doesn't have chapters in it. I don't. Um. Oh wait. Yeah, it okay. does. Yeah, you just got to remember to look for it out of the side. I think. In the Septuagint, it's called the Basilion. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at it in the Septuagint also. But I thought it might be interesting to see how Farrar uh, wrote that or translated that. Uh, it might, uh, it, it may read exactly the same, but I thought it would be well, a good idea. An important point is the devil didn't make him do it. Well, you know, and that's kind of what I guess I'm saying about you have men born into Samuel's household um, and these are you know it's just like when Christ says to them you know don't think that you have Abraham to your father as being you know your cover or your salvation you know that God can raise up stones to Abraham that that's not what gets it. He's been trying to, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that he's been trying to, for millennial, to say to the people, there are people who claim to be Abraham. They don't walk the way Abraham walked. And I see the same thing here. There are people born to Samuel, but they don't walk the way Samuel walked. I found it. Here it is. Go ahead. It was kind of hard to find. Um, Okay. But when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges in Israel. And the name of his eldest son was Joel, and the name of the second Abiah. They were judges in Bathsheba. His sons, however, did not follow his ways, but extorted taxes and took bribes and perverted justice. Okay, stop, stop, 
stop. Read that one again. Um, the Three. sons, um, bar his sons were judges in Bathsheba. His sons, however, did not follow his ways, but extorted taxes and took bribes and perverted justice. You know, that's interesting to me how that came about when in the Septuagint it simply says, Thy sons do not walk in thy way. Yeah. My um, Uh, New American uh, Standard also says it similarly. Well, here's here's another line I didn't see in verse 3. Yes. But it's... His sons did not, uh, they turned aside after lucre, took bribes, and perverted justice. Okay. Right, I was just going to say you missed a line there, Russell, but yeah, you got it. And but, they, were ju- but, they were judges, so. Yeah, but see, I mean, our point is valid, is it not? I mean, is it not worth reminding ourselves or reminding our kin, our kinsmen in the flesh, our brothers, and say, these were men born to Samuel. Those were men born to Abraham. And Christ said, just because you are born to Abraham doesn't mean squat. What means something is if you do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And likewise, if you would obey me, you would be received of the Father. And now I'm telling you, if you don't obey me, And if you don't abide in me, the Father will not abide in you also. And so, go ahead. That is a good point you're making. So you have bad seed among the good seed. Were were Saul's son born of... of, some other, you know, seed stock that that we've been told through the ages and so forth that that this is the case. And my argument remains not to be an argument for the sake of argument, but my argument remains, wait a minute. We have to cast all this other stuff out in order to receive that and continue to believe it, or take it upon as theological doctrine or theological truth. And so, like I say, I'm not trying to be argumentative regarding, you know, the seed line doctrine, if you will, or Satan, you know, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, a fallen angel connection. I'm actually trying to talk about these things in what I believe is very biblical and pragmatic um, ways. Uh And so, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't throw this around just to, you know, have people say, oh, well, you're a no, you're a no devil doctrine or you're a, you know, you don't believe in in Satan. Uh, God can be an adversary against me, and see if I am willing to follow him or not. 
Yeah, and that's, sure. that's what the biblical record teaches me, is that he was an adversary to uh, to David, a Satan. He was an adversary or presented something as an adversary to Job. Read, and, uh, read the last part of 8, uh, Jeremiah. Okay. Um, continue at of, four. Continue at four. Okay. Um, consequently, all the judges of Israel assembled and came to Ramath and said to him, You are old now, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint us a leader to organize us like well, all the nations. I mean, verse 8 in chapter 8. Uh, okay. Verse eight. This listen to the voice of the people. Um oh wait. It is like all their doings they have done from the day I brought them up from Mitzra to this day, for they rejected me and served other gods. So they do also to you. Okay. Um uh, mine says I mean, it just says, uh, uh, according to all that they have done to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, as they have forsaken or forgotten me and serve strange gods, so they do also to thee. The reason I bring that up is what we were reading in uh, Exodus yesterday about uh, about uh, the one of the Ten Commandments, uh, the in Exodus twenty verse eight. Exodus forty eight verse eight. Twenty and eight. Um. I'm trying to find um, the the purpose of the Sabbath was to remember um, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy to remember God and His ways and this over here says they've done this since they got out of Egypt they continually forget me. And what our discussion was, was why do we get together one day a week and remember God? And we came to the conclusion is so we wouldn't forget him. Because the result of forgetting him is right here in that scripture that he just read and I just read, you start turning to the other gods, don't you? Yeah. And what could possibly be some of the other gods? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes one of the other gods is get them to the doctor. Now, I'm not saying everybody that goes to the doctor is wrong, but uh, that could be 
one instance of forgetting God, uh, forgetting his ways. What What are some other ways? Well, uh, let's talk about the gods. Yeah, as how part. about these people that that just believe that the solution is all political? Well, um, what I was going to say, you know, he says, so they do unto thee. He says um, uh, that, let's see, uh, unto his day when they have forsaken me and served other gods. Okay, what is another god? All right. Some says, well, they worship stones and sticks and wood, idols of wood and so forth. But wait a minute. What does the idol of wood represent? It always represents some thing that is to be able to do something for you that is perceived you cannot do on your own or that you need some extra, uh, you know, terrestrial power, I guess. Do you see my point? So I can have a god of wood that is an uh, idol that brings me peace, or it makes many rivers flow unto me, or that you mean like it brings... You like a witching rod? That uh, that I perceive and believe that it will be bring me rain, or you know we go on and on and on, and I think that's something that our people have just totally thrown completely out of their mind in terms of recognizing that these gods that are obviously being referred to are gods that are supposed to provide something. So we look at our. 500 gods in Washington, D.C. called Congress, and we look at our 100 senators in Senate called the Senate, and these are our gods. They are there, and we perceive them, or at least the people perceive them, as um, those which provide things that they cannot otherwise acquire or access on their own. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes a lot of sense. So there's nothing new. It The only thing new is our interpretation of what these things mean, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. You just freaked my interest. I'm going to look up what Well, you know, it's interesting. The more I look into this constitutional thing, the more I recognize it as Roman system of government. And in fact, in some of the founders' documents, they refer to uh, Roman um, government quite frequently. These people did know and understand Roman government. And as we well know, Rome did fall. And we also know that at least it is believed that we can glean from the books of Revelation that Rome certainly was 
on the path for destruction. And it is act occur. Do you know senate comes from the Latin word senatus, which comes from the Latin word cynic, which simply means an old senile man? <laughs> So, so in other words, these are old senile men that we have called the Senate who are ruling over us, not any longer walking in the ways of the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. And they're senile. Yeah, and that could mean more than what we think it means. It's brainless. Yeah, brainless is exactly right. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, I you know, when when you when you piqued my thoughts again about asking for a king and I I went back and, and reviewed that that chapter and the scriptures there pertaining to it. It it reminded me so much, Russell, of something that, you know, there's so much to learn in just a few a few verses there about that whole incidence of asking for a king, and and so much applicable today about. Um, yeah. Do you realize that? They were actually saying, we know what God's way is not working. That's what they were saying. God, your ways aren't working. They're flawed. Give us the method that the other nations, the other godless nations use, possibly, because it yep. seems to be working real good for them. I mean, well, is that the way you read it? Yeah, they 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 essentially it was just like when they came out of Egypt. They perceived their prior condition as more beneficiary uh or beneficial than than their current than their current situation. And this is what happens with people is that is that it would be better, they said, if we were back in Egypt where at least we felt comfort and so forth, than to be out here in the middle of this desert not knowing what what lies ahead. And um, our people are a lot the same way today because they, they lack vision because vision has been taken from us. We don't any longer teach people, teach children, that whatever you seek to do, you can achieve it. You can do that. And even us of a remnant find ourselves not doing that for our own children because we realize the limitations in Babylon. And so, in essence, we somewhat stifle that that entrepreneurial, that, that, that ability to have that vision. You know, there were some of those that could see the vision in, in Joshua's oh. camp. They, I was they just, could. Go I was ahead. just going to bring that up. Is he said that uh, they have rejected me that I should not reign over them 
it's important that we know that it's not 100% of them. It, uh, he's very mad at a portion of them. It says, according to all that they have done to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt unto this day, they have forgotten me. But not all of them did. I think there was a small percentage that did not forget him. Yep. Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. 1 Samuel 8, verse 10. He said, This will be the manner of that king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his Excuse me. Uh, Excuse me. Some uh, that shall run before his chariots. He will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to tear his ground, to reap his harvest, to make his instruments of war and instruments of his... instruments of his chariots... And make his trump instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. He will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. Now let's just, I'm just going to pause here. We, the people of the United States, in order to perform, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Now, let's just stop and say do ordain and establish this king to rule over the children of Israel. Yeah, Doug, and to make a more perfect union? More perfect than what? Exactly. So, So, we the people were smarter than what we had at that time and so we knew a more perfect way to make a union, right? Right. Okay, so then that's what this agreement's all about. Yes. So, um, of course, the Constitution does. Let's go back to, and he says, let's see, uh, 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 he says, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself. All right. Does our Constitution take our sons and appoint them for themselves? Yes. Our Constitution did adopt a draft. And when it did not adopt a draft, it adopted what is known as selective service, which is covert draft. (laughs) And... uh, Let's see. So our Constitution did did the same thing that this king, God said, would uh, do. 
Uh, do they run before the chariots, and do some of them run before the the? Uh, do some of them run before the tanks? Do some of them run before the uh, the bomber planes? Well, uh, Doug, yeah. Doug, now listen. Are you against uh, Are you against all this technology the wars have has given us on how to deal with amputees? Are you against all that? Technology we gained from the war in Iraq. Uh, sure sounds I'm, like you are. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pointing out the obvious connection between that which God said that king of that day would do, and the king of this country today would do. These Matt, people. Matt, you know, I'm being facetious. I absolutely do, but for the record, I'm making that statement. So, so in other words, what we have is the exact same thing, only these people did what? They said, we the people will do this, instead of King James will do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I go on. He says he'll appoint captains over thousands and captains over fifties. Well, let me ask that question. Does this Constitution allow for the appointment of captains over fifties and over thousands? Absolutely. Let me see. It's called uh, the House of Representatives. Um... To, uh, Jeremiah, you following all this? Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> well, what do you think so far? Is it making sense? Yeah. Uh, and he says, let's see, captains over 50s, and will set them to ear his ground, to reap his harvest, to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. Well, let's see. Um... We do have lands that are, according to the Constitution, the Constitution created the ability for the federal government to acquire lands which others are having to harvest and so forth. And then, of course, we can, we can relate that, in fact, they do make instruments of war and instruments of his chariots um, in the same sense that we ear the ground, uh, whatever work we do, a portion of it is being taken so that we can make the instruments of war and the instruments of his chariots. So, Russell, what do we say to somebody who says, well, now you're being stupid. You're just flat out being stupid. We have the right to defend ourselves as a people and a nation. We have the right to, you know, to make instruments of war and so forth. This is not what God is saying here. Well, what do we say to those people? I know what I say to them. I say, well, why don't you tell me what's godly about Korea, Vietnam, Iraq? Afghanistan, do any of those wars sound justified and godly to you? We have history behind us now. They were fraudulent. 
There was nothing, nothing settled in the Korean conflict. Or uh, if it was all about communism, why didn't we have a problem with 50 miles south of Florida, Cuba? We were okay with that communism, weren't we, Doug? Well, that was just a small little nation. It wasn't a threat to us. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and and Korea and Vietnam. Now, that's one I shake in my boots. And what are they now? A thorn in our sides. Let's see. He says, Texas, did you fall off? No? Yeah, I think there's a problem, Texas. Uh, Not here. What? Did we lose them? Yeah, it sounded like something kind of happened there. I think maybe a crow flew across the symbol signal. Um, I'll send him a text and tell him he is no longer with us if he doesn't know. And uh, all right. Well, well, Doug. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is your point was uh, the first thing they're going to do is what this idiot does to me at breakfast. Wow! If you don't like America, why don't you just go somewhere else? You know, if you dare criticize anything about these sorts of things, uh, you're somehow put in a box of unpatriotic. You see. I can't think of anything more patriotic than criticizing uh, an attempt to destroy the country. I mean, what's unpatriotic about that? Yeah, well, and I just scanned on down, scrolled on down to verse 18. And you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which you shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. But we really didn't choose him, did we? Well, you know, we weren't there when we the people drafted and signed it. Yeah. but But we are living under it, aren't we? Yeah. And so in the same sense, uh, the Israelites of old would be some who would be alive who did ask for that king, and there would be a great number of people who did not ask for that king, but they were likewise going to be living under the bondage and the rule of that king. And, uh, And even though God explained this, to them through Samuel. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our kings may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 
Now, they never did accuse Samuel of being ungodly, did they? No. And they actually went to him, which is really weird, to ask God for a king to destroy them or make their life miserable. Well, and again, yeah, well, what is the real irony is that they know the law of God and he had sons who did not walk in his way. Well, what was the remedy for that? Uh, Yeah, apply the law to them. Apply the law. It it, It was as simple as that, apply the law, and what did they do? They opted for more pain and more misery and more um, heartache upon themselves and their children and their children's children because they would not apply the law. That would have been a first remedy, would have been simply to say to Samuel, your sons walk not in your way and we are going to remove them. Yeah. That would have been the remedy right there. But for whatever reason, well, I guess you would have to say that's a lack of faith. Well, it's human nature. It's human nature as well. As I said, what do we routinely find? You know, our own Declaration of Independence says it pretty well. It says, it says, mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. So the people who left Egypt under God's divine intervention found themselves more disposed to suffer, which was to go back to Egypt than to right themselves by abolishing the very forms to which they had become accustomed to in Egypt. And that's essentially what God was saying is abolish these former forms and customs that you have and adopt my customs and my ways and live and prosper and be blessed what he said. So they were more disposed to suffer as long as those evils are sufferable. And that's the same guy when when somebody says that, you know, well, if you don't like it here in America, then that's the, that's the quote to quote is, well, you know, apparently you're too, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, far removed from the framework that you believe you were founded under, such as your declaration, and it says that, you know, their man is more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable. So you would just as soon live in your misery here in America or the misery that is coming upon you or the misery that's going to be upon your children and their children, and you just soon live with it because to write this thing and do the right thing by abolishing those forms to which you're accustomed, that's the very thing that's going on with Congress right now. We have something that is demonstrably 
devastating to an economic condition of a people. And instead of righting themselves by abolishing that which they have just grown accustomed to in the last seven years, they would rather fight about how can we change it to be appealing to everybody or to the greatest preponderance of the people. Yes. Nothing changes. No. So God looks out amongst the people and chooses a king out of the stock of Benjamin and uh, appoints Saul as a king. And I really like that part, too. Uh, um, I wonder if that's right here in 9. Samuel and Saul, let's see, Saul's anointing. Samuel instructs Saul, that would be ten, when thou art departed from today, thou shalt fight two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zelah, Ziza, I think that's an I, and they will say unto thee, the asses which thou wants to seek are found, and lo, my father has left the care of the asses and sorrows for you, saying, what shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee there. Meet meet thee. What? Where are you reading from? I'm in chapter 10, uh, verse 3, in the middle of 3. Tabor, and there shall meet the three men going up to God, to Bethel, one carrying three kinds, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. They will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery, a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be. See now, right there. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. <clears throat> You know, when we are baptized for the remission of sins, we are, as this scripture says, to be changed and turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings, and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seventy days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. So all those signs get fulfilled then in chapter 11, and Israel gathers at uh, Mizpah, and um, Samuel, uh, the thing that I was getting at or going to go for was 
where it repented God that he had appointed Saul king. <laughs> um, I'm looking for it. What do we have forsaken the Lord have? Uh, let me see. Verse 19. What was that? Um, verse 19 it says, But you have this day rejected God, who is himself your Savior, from all your troubles and your afflictions, and have said, No, but thou shalt set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your communities. That's an interesting scripture. Yeah, you were in ten nineteen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what was it done for? It was done to teach them that God's ways are just. And that a man's ways are unjust, even if the man is appointed of God. Okay, now now go down to 27. The of men went and snatched Saul. And they said, how can this man save us? And they despised him and not did not bring him gifts. I did not know that was in there. And a a righteous person would have despised him. Yeah, well, because look what look what he's bringing to the table: pain, suffering. You lose your kid in a war. That's suffering, isn't it, Doug? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You give him up to the king to go fight these phony battles. Can you name me one war that after that constitution that was signed, one righteous war? No. um, uh, You know, that's the age-old question here as we... you know, and I struggle with this. I'll be honest uh, with how I um, how I struggle with it sometimes as well. And um, when when we understand that we were given a commission to essentially subdue the nations, to bring the nations under the righteousness of God, well, that. That seems like a very justifiable goal, doesn't it? Yes. But we haven't done that. We have instead created our own justifiable democracy, if you will, or whatever you choose to call it today, whatever one chooses to call it. And and we sit in a position whereby we it's even said by these leaders how you know they are trying to promote democracy all over the world 
And so these wars have been wars of ostensibly creating democracies all over the world and not the great commission that we were given, which is to bring righteousness into the world. And there will be some some Christian who will argue with you and say, well, we have subdued these nations and we have made them better. They, you know, they aren't eating their own and this and that or whatever else. Well, yeah. Now listen to this, Doug. This is democracy in Webster's old dictionary. Yep. You ready? Here's the definition. Government by the people, a form of government in which the supreme power is lodged in the hands of the people collectively, or in which the people exercise the powers of legislation. Such was the government of Athens. Now, that's what we want to do. Isn't that copy Athens? <laughs> well, Russell, but see, we don't have a democracy. We have a republic. <laughs> well, somebody needs to tell George Bush that. <laughs> well, George Bush isn't president anymore, so it won't do much good. <laughs> somebody needs to tell Donald because he doesn't know the difference between a republic and democracy either. No. No, I know. Well, let me tell you what res publica means. That's just the law of the people. Rex is law. Publica is the people. That's what the word means. It's a law of the people. Exactly. So... We have, we have, we have. Well, now, hold on just a second. Now, this thought came to me. So if you can make the public evil, what kind of law are you going to (coughs) have? Yeah. Well, and so some of the framers justified it by saying, you know, if you are making good men, you will not have unjust laws. Well, hold on a minute. We just learned in the first uh, verses of Samuel 8, as I say, we can only surmise or hypothesize that that um, Samuel was training righteous children. And so if we, according to the framers, as long as we are raising righteous children, we shall not lack good laws. But I submit to you, as long as men perceive it within their power to make law, um, Katie, bar the door, because the sky is the limit. We're right back to that computer chip. To which I said, you can rationalize that to being a good thing. All you got to do is come up with this evidence and do mental gymnastics to people and confuse them and voila, here you've just made a wonderful thing here. Uh, You know, they've done so well with all their security features. Up to now, haven't they, Doug? 
We got the fuel yeah. calling money. We got strips and cards. We got this. We got that. And we can't even keep drugs out of prisons, can we, Doug? The most secured, supposedly the most secured buildings in the land, and we can't even keep drugs out. So, so I guess we need to chip all the federal prisoners. And the reason is, his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, took bribes, and perverted judgment. Man cannot be trusted nor accounted on to act in a righteous manner unless there is something which prohibits and bars him from acting in an unjust, and that is law. Uh-huh. And if the law is not, it's just, you know, we could stop this whole thing with this health care deal is if one of these senators or legislators would propose that we move ahead with the bill as written and all congressmen and senators agree that they are bound by the Obamacare law. And right there, you would have your answer. There is not one of them that would want that law ruling over them. Mm-hmm. They've, in fact, exempted themselves from it. And when will the people... I know that some of the people have woke up, but good grief, when you have the very leaders over you who will not abide by the same law. I remember way back in the banking scandal, remember the House banking scandal, I wrote a letter to the editor explaining that it was nothing more than check kiting. And they published my uh, letter, and I became quite a frequent for them to publish my letters. Um, and it's very interesting how they exempt themselves from everything that they expect you to be bound by. Mm-hmm. And they and the people, just as they were in the days of Samuel, said, you know, it's all right. Just just give us this constitution which says it will protect us. Just just give us a bill. And this is, in fact, why we got a Bill of Rights, because it was some of those people said, you know, I don't care what we have for a document ruling over us as much as I care that I stop or prevent the government from doing these things. I want a Bill of Rights. I want a Bill of Rights attached to this that says the government cannot do these things or infringe upon these things. And so they got their Bill of Rights, and that was the first step in appeasing and acquiescing um, to the and consenting to the document. And interesting thought 
uh, here, Doug. Uh, the word Congress comes from the Latin word congressio. Uh, intercourse, association, a meeting, congresses, a friendly meeting, social intercourse. Uh, number two, a hostile, combative encounter. Boy, that kind of sums up Congress, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you feel like you've been getting some social intercourse from them? Mm, yeah. In a, in the wrong way? Yeah. Well, well it's just... You hear that, though, that we've been getting screwed by the government. I yeah. just find that just a little ironic. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's very hostile to the very the very people that supposedly gave consent to it. Yeah. And the same thing. When they asked for a king, they were consenting to the king, were they not? And God is telling them this king will be hostile to you and your social environment. What was the word that it used there again? said social intercourse. Yes, social intercourse. So your social interaction would be, you know, um, uh, uh, now I'm looking for the other word that was in there um, that that we just mentioned. Your social interaction would be hostile. This, This thing that you've created or this king that you've asked over you will be hostile in your social environment. Okay, let me read something. And Daniel said to all the people that there is none like him among you all. He's talking about Saul. And when all the people acknowledged him and said, God save the king, then Samuel told the people the wishes or prerogative of the king and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed all the people, and they went away, every man to his house. And Saul went to his house at Gabah, and there went with Saul a band of men whose hearts the Lord had touched. But turbulent men said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and did not bring him gifts. I think that's very profound. What do you think is meant by turbulent men? Now, where were you there? I'm at the bottom last part of chapter 10. I'm going to look it up. Because I know what I think turbulent means. Mine says worthless. (laughs) Worthless? Yeah. Is that for our... Um, that's, um, New okay. American Standard. What verse I can was that look at it in Farrar. What was, what verse was that, uh, Jeremiah? 27. 27. Yeah, the children of Belial, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Okay, the word comes from the word to disturb. Agitated, tumultuous, uh, not happy. 
disposed to insubordination and disorder as turbulent spirits. Well, I mean, we hear this today, don't we? Uh, from the other side of every political uh, situation. How are they going to do any better? How are they going to help us? I mean, that's nothing new. Um, interesting here on that verse, the children of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Now, I have a footnote there which takes me to Deuteronomy 13.13. 13. Um, if, and this is Deuteronomy 13.12, if thou shalt hear and say of one of thy cities which the Lord God has given thee to dwell in, any there saying, certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Well, you see, what you had there was men who were not have this godly man rule over them. And Deuteronomy 13.13 13 makes it very plain that when there are those that say, let us go and serve other gods... This was supposed to be a reminder to them that these people were those that would lead them away from God. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just find that an interesting footnote there to 27. And um, we can have these, we can, we can have, for example, the Jews today. They sit in all of these posts, but they will not let the God of Jacob Israel rule over us, will they? No. And yet they claim him as their guide. But we well know that they are not guided by the Creator, the Father. They are guided by their own bellies. They are guided by their own traditions, by their own man gods their traditions mm-hmm. now you were reading there and I was looking for um, and he tarried so let's see um Um, I wrote a note here at, um, as please the Lord to make you his people more, as God first said that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you. Um, Um, Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered, therefore said the hill. Um, Saul and Samuel said to Saul 
thou hast done foolishly that thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord. So I'm in 13.13. Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal to give you Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people that were present with him, abode in Gibeah. And spoilers came out of the camp of Philistines. I'm looking for, at the day of this battle, I am looking for the scripture where God, it repented God that he had appointed Saul king. Uh, and I cannot. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because here we have a case of God changing. Yes, changing his uh, mind. Yeah, he changed his mind according to the will of the people. And he allowed that to happen. That, to me, is something that's overlooked, much like uh, when God invited an evil spirit into Saul. That's just totally rationalized out of the picture. The fact that God could introduce an evil spirit into one of his kings. Uh, you know, it's completely within God's prerogative if he chose to enter uh, a, a a spirit upon Saul or Saul did it of his own nature. See, I, um, believe, it, I believe it's a testing spirit and Saul failed the test. Well, here I think this is it right here. Um, I'm in uh, 1526. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned about to go away. Uh, no, this isn't it either. I mean, he does it's, actually... Uh, 1535. 1535? Um, uh, that's when um, God regrets making Saul king. Oh, yeah. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So, uh, 16, um, 14 is where they have the evil spirit. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, Russell, J., uh, Jeremiah was just saying that in 1614 is where the evil spirit troubled Saul. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. 
Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit of God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. And they answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem, that is cunning in playing, and mighty and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. So Saul gets his his uh, his harp player, and that, of course, is David. But, you know, it's always amazed me that right there in 1527, I'm going to take the time to mark that in my Bible this time, so I don't peck for it again. And uh, But he repents for having made Saul king. And uh, that, that says something, I think, for our God in terms of how he is willing to work with us if we'll give, you know, and I mean us, individuals, if we will give him the opportunity. And that's why one of the things that Pastor Peter said was, before he passed away, as he said, you know, remember the children. And that July 2nd um, message given at the LaPorte Church of Christ that I did before he, he passed away, I I tried to recognize, you know, that which he was saying and trying to teach me, at least, and those of us who were listening, um, about the children. And there were a lot of very prudent men a lot of very godly men who were on these North American shores in the 1600s that were well-studied and well-versed in God's Word and were already practicing the righteousness of Christ on this continent. And um, we want our children to understand the propensities for evil to overtake us and even for God himself to repent from blessings that he may be willing to prosper us with when we disobey. And this is the second time or third time that God says this. He said it a couple of times with the children of Israel. He wished he had never made them. He wished he had never brought them out of Egypt. Uh, he was ready to kill them all. He was ready to kill Moses, wasn't he? Yep, yep. Uh, so, when one thing we learned from that is when she immediately did what she was supposed to, uh, God let up, didn't he? Yeah. Kind of like, uh, kind of like the guy that ran the spear through the copulating couple. That saved, what, 35,000 lives? Right. Phineas, yeah. Yeah, Phineas. There's a a guy you could name a high school after and be proud of. Yeah, and, and again, you know, the the thumpers today, you know, don't seem to want to acknowledge that he drove that 
the scripture records that his action was not in killing an individual, but his action was in staying the hand of God by his action. So it's a reminder to us that God is looking for a good man. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants of each and every one of us is to be a good man. Mm-hmm. And to be that what he can use and mold and work with to bless the people. And you see the same thing in David. Yep. And if all he other characters in there. Yeah, he, he if he if he looks out across the creation and he sees despicable human debris, so much so the thumpers would disagree with this as well, so much so that he would willingly destroy the greater portion of it. Well, I'm going to have to leave tonight at 9. Well, it's about that time. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, it's been a nice fellowship, and why don't you close us out in prayer then? Okay. Father, we thank you for this time we've had together, and we very humbly come to you and say together we don't have all the answers. We we search for the answers, but we don't have all the answers. We just come together and try to learn your ways. And then after we learn them, hopefully we'll try to apply them to our lives and have courage to stay the course in spite of all the forces that come against us. I pray for protection on our families tonight and protection from our adversaries. There are many of them. Yes, thank you. But they're not even close to what you are, God. You're so so supreme and superior to any of the things that are out to change our, to try to get us to call on other gods for help. Help us to learn to remember you in all times of good and bad. And Lord, I pray for your your people, wherever they are, your remnant. So that their eyes might be opened and they might start to act accordingly on your ways, Jesus. And again, we pray that you be with the guy down there in New Mexico. Take care of him. And um, bless our families, Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen. What uh, what happened to the uh, guy in 
Bingham? Uh, well, he's he's had some various um, um, issues with his, uh, you know, his whole jaw and his teeth and everything, and and it it it, it appears, as I understand it, that it extends you know, pretty much back to birth. And, um, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, years ago people just dealt with and they didn't, you know, we didn't we didn't spend money on those kinds of things because money wasn't available for our families in a lot of instances and Jules our age, you know. And, wow. um, and he, uh, so he's basically lived with this, you know, this, issue for years and uh, you know teeth are being affected by it and he's having to actually have them pulled because the discomfort is is tremendous um he's got kind of a double gum and surgery is is some of the the ways that it's corrected these days and and so it's just a real tough thing for him because he's now dealing with, you know, the prospect of having to, you know, pull those teeth. And then, you know, it's very easy to get infections uh, with any kind of teeth issues and, and you know, gum problems or, 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 you know, root problems and so forth. And so... You know he's he's got a little infection that's been troubling him. He's he's going for the extractions and the excisions and so forth in in Albuquerque, which is you know 80 miles away or 100 miles thereabouts, and and um, you know so that creates another dynamic to it and is troubling with travel and so forth. And so it's just you know it's one of these things that couldn't have happened at a more inopportune time in terms of, you know, having the pain in this one, you know, set of teeth that are creating most of the problems. So, so um, you know, um, he's dealing with it and trying to go with the things that seem like the thing that needs to be done and and of course he's not a he's not a man of financial means and so you sometimes find yourself at the lowest common denominator of those who could perform work and sometimes you wonder if if that also doesn't attribute to some of the you know the dilemma such as he's dealing with which is infection and so forth so um just got to keep praying that he'll be led to the right doors and and the right situation will be presented him to get the the best correction that he can and and uh you know deal with it as best as he can uh from there so uh, uh well um i guess until we have another thought I'll talk to you later. Sounds good, Russell. All right. Good night, King family, and we'll catch up with you next week. Good night. All right. right. Good night now.